Hello, how the tech are you? This is our weekly tech show on Echoplex Media. We talk about tech news, science news, any kind of news we feel like talking about in that general uh, topic. I am historian Matt. Um, I don't really have a specific topic under <laughs> besides tech and science news. But today I'm going to be uh, going back and... Um, you know, hitting the, 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 I don't know, the big ones, the back to AI and making fun of Twitter slash X now. So, uh, my first topic is Microsoft defends against AI lawsuits. And the second topic will be is X is unfit to be a bank. X formerly known as Twitter. And we got the guy in the pink hat. Hello, how the tech are you? I am HK Perrin, and uh, I'm a software engineer, so I cover mostly software engineering news. Uh, and this week I have some like kind of tangentially software engineering related newses, because my first story is about my own program, QuickDev. Uh, I released a new version, and it's now open source, so you can go and download the source code. Uh, and then my second story is about another new release of an app that I just started using called Joplin. Uh, and I'll tell you all about that. Now over to the man in the gray hat. The tinfoil hat, sir. Um, I am Dave. I'm the producer of all the shows here on Echoplex Media. And you can find me on Grindr. Um, I have two stories. One is that uh, it turns out that a, a fake AI Drake song and other songs by that person are not eligible for Grammys. And then the Mozilla Foundation put out a pretty scathing review about newer cars and how they treat your uh, data. So take it away, Matt. All right, my first topic, Microsoft defends against AI lawsuits. What am I talking about? Well, Microsoft has pledged to provide legal protection for customers who, are, who get sued for copyright infringement over content generated from the company's AI system. So any kind of uh, AI system like ChatGPT, I don't think it covers directly ChatGPT, but um, you know stuff like that that Microsoft uses. Uh, they, they're calling it the Copilot Copyright Commitment. I don't know why they have a name for it, but yeah, that's what it's called. And so doing any AI stuff, uh, you can, uh, if it's Microsoft, if it's AI generated from one of Microsoft's systems, they pledge to defend it because that's a issue. What do you guys think? I know that was a real quick hit there. But, uh... So I think it's called the Copilot copyright commitment because GitHub's like code generating AI is called Copilot, and that's you know GitHub yeah. is Microsoft. So I think they, I guess they, maybe they're specifically talking about like generated code if their uh, AI generates code that's. I don't think they're specifically talking about uh, code, but it was okay. mentioned in the article that uh, about GitHub, which GitHub is now owned by Microsoft, right? Uh, but that right. was specifically there was an issue where somebody threatened to sue Microsoft or somebody using Microsoft's or the GitHub Copilot to, um, you know, write code because it's basically using uh, it's being trained on copyrighted code. So yeah. Um, uh, I was trained on copyrighted code, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, I think there's so. An issue... Therefore, Microsoft should defend me when I violate someone else's copyright. <laughs> <laughs> there's an issue with um with generated 
AI generated stuff. Um, it's not just code, but also happens in the, the AI art where if you write something specific, like basically describe some very specifically something that the AI was, was trained on, it will basically just return that thing that it was trained on uh, in certain cases. Okay. I know with like AI art, I've seen a few examples of somebody like, you know, writing a, a specific prompt showing the image and then they show the image that was like put in as a training image and they're like almost identical, you know? Okay. Yeah. I read an article about that and it mentioned that like that uh, happens when there's like duplicates of an image in the training set. Uh, really? And it's far less likely or maybe even impossible to happen if like there's no duplicates in the training set. But I don't know if that's true. That's just what I read. I didn't read that, but I didn't get into that much detail. I can't imagine that they're they're going to do this. That they're actually going to defend like people who get like how how does this work? Like, do you do you petition them? And then like because sometimes this sometimes the court case moves pretty quickly, right? And it's not like the court is going to wait for you to wait for Microsoft to get back to you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think they're saying it uh, because they're making so many gobs of cash on these AI things that, like, if they had to spend even like a hundred thousand dollars or even a million dollars defending someone to actually, you know, live up to their their promise, it still doesn't matter. They're ma they're making so much money from AI right now. Okay, fair enough. We'll we'll see how this shakes out because, yeah, we'll we'll see how this shakes out because a lot of times, like I think they may be kind of counting on the fact that a uh, most of the smaller creators that are, make up the the training set don't have the wherewithal to sue somebody anyway. Yeah, they don't have yeah. the resources to bring a lawsuit. Now the the worst thing they could do is give you an AI lawyer. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> That'd be, that, right, um, that was one of our one of my favorite stories so far was the AI lawyer. Matt, what you got next? <laughs> uh, my next one is, uh, next topic is X unfit to be a bank. What's going on? Well, after uh, Twitter's takeover by Elon Musk, uh, Twitter was rebranded as X, as if we all know. And um, the, he started a process to make X a bank, basically. <laughs> and so far, like eight states have approved applications for money transmitting basically what a bank does, transmitting money. Uh, and this is, you know, all part of Elon Musk's attempt to make X and everything app. Of course, he only seems to be su successful in destroying what was formerly known as Twitter. Anyways, uh, apparently, so this happened before Elon Musk took over, but former employees of Twitter unmask an anonymous user or unmask multiple anonymous users to the Saudi government. And in one case, Abdullah Rahman Al Sadan, Sadan, I totally butchered that name, but uh, um, he was a human rights activist and was in Saudi Arabia. Uh, the employees uh, unmasked him, gave his name to Saudi Arabian government, and they basically kidnapped, tortured him, and imprisoned him in 2021, which is not great. And there's a couple other instances of that happening 
uh, at least one instance the saudi government did not uh actually arrest the guy but they're they're concerned about a different guy uh getting arrested for with the same thing happening so people are really concerned about basically the saudi government's in uh influence over x now x uh but uh so even though this happened before elon musk took over we know that uh since the the change ever since elon took over saudi investors are now like the second largest stakeholders in x and probably have a lot of influence and probably can get information on people they don't like what do you guys think I think the last thing in the world I want to do is uh, a bank with uh, Elon Musk's company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when they uh, mean bank, they mean like a finance, like what is it? The FinTech type stuff. It's basically something like, or similar to PayPal or I don't know, cash app or the other ones where you're just transmitting money. You're not actually like, putting into the bank to earn interest and get loans and stuff like that. To my yeah. Network. I don't even want them having my routing number and account number. Yeah, I wouldn't want that, that either. <laughs> yep. Uh, also, I think this is like on the reasons that X should not be a bank. This is probably like third or fourth. <laughs> right, but this is like only only like sort of technical, like you know what I mean, like regulatory reason. The other reasons are right. all like ethical and. Um... <laughs> yeah, I think I, I uh, didn't mention it here, but I think it's in the article that there's actually people different groups actually suing the government or making, uh, I don't know what kind of comments to the government saying, Hey, he should not get a bank license. <laughs> like this, he, all this weird stuff's happening. Do not like give him licenses. You need to do some further investigation to make sure that the, that X is not compromised. I mean, maybe it is. And then like all the blue checks will, will have their, their money stolen and buy all the non blue yeah. checks. I mean, even more yeah. than you know just the eight bucks already that eight dollar charge is practically theft well like his the the reason i think that that and it, I, I don't think this is just like an like a reason that like regular people would think is a moral or ethical reason i think his history of just uh, ignoring regulation and ignoring regulators and like d doing things that are you know borderline illegal and like his unwillingness to staff up for important functions at his companies yeah. is a reason that he shouldn't be responsible for anybody's money. Right. Like you can't just, you can't just fire a department all willy nilly at a FinTech company. Right. <laughs> it's a little bit different. You're kind of fucking with everybody's, you know, you're messing with people's money at that point. So I think that um, banks are, tend to uh, follow a regulation at, at, as, as well as they possibly can, even if they're, you know, even if we don't like banks or whatever, they are following, like if your bank has been around for more than a couple of years, it's because they follow the rules. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's what Elon Musk is going to not do. It's because they pay their rent. Oh, that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Banks are highly regulated, regulated and, if they step out of line, the government comes in and shuts them down real fast. Even something like PayPal that isn't technically a bank is highly regulated. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I, I mean, watching him melt down over some of these financial regulations that he never considered would be fun. <laughs>
like watching him, watching him, like watching him call like the head of the uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission a pedophile or something would be very fun. But <laughs> that's not going to help. But I, but I don't think I don't think that you know I don't think that's great for anybody who might have their money in there or whatever. Yeah, it's a bad idea. I uh, no, I like when I found out he was going to buy Twitter. Twitter had my credit card number because I had once run an ad on Twitter. As soon as I found out he was thinking of buying it, I removed my credit card number from Twitter. <laughs> He probably still has it. Yeah, yeah. He probably personally has it. Yep. <laughs> he's he's probably tried to charge it several times. Yeah, yeah. He just couldn't because uh because he doesn't know my pin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tried to attach my card to his uh to his Apple Pay or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean I just had a charge rejected for a flight on a private jet? <laughs> Forty-four billion dollars. Who would charge such a specific number? Why did someone try to buy some buy a horse with my uh, with my credit card? <laughs> oh man! All right, what, what you what you got this week, HK? All right, I have uh, a fun story because I actually wrote this app. I have talked about it on the show before, uh, but I wrote an app called QuickDAV. It is a network file transfer app that lets you move and manage the files, your files between your devices in an ad hoc, easy and fast way. So basically, uh, you run it on your computer and then you can connect to your computer from either another computer or a phone and you can manage files, download files, upload files to your computer. It's much faster than emailing yourself a file. Uh, and I actually used QuickDAV to release the latest version of QuickDAV because I built it on Mac and I had to move it over to my Linux PC to upload it. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, it uses my own WebDAV server, which is called Nephily under the hood. Uh, that is also open source. They're both open source. You can download the code for both of them. Uh, and QuickDAV 3 uses a new version of Nephily that has some very good bug fixes. Uh, one of the bugs was you'd try to rename a folder and it wouldn't rename the folder. It would just create a new folder with the name you were trying to rename it to. Uh, that's fixed. So, yeah. Uh, and big news, QuickDAV is now open source. It's released under the Apache 2.0 license. So you can download the source code. You can inspect it. You can build it yourself. Uh, you can release your own version of QuickDAV. You can make changes to it. And if you'd like, you can provide those changes back to me and I could put them in the official version. So you can use it for free right now on Windows, Mac, and Linux uh, at the link, which I guess will be in the description, syactive.com slash quickdav. Uh, and speaking of webdav, uh, well, actually, hold on. I'll, I'll wait till the, the next story to, to, to speak more of webdav. What do you guys have to say? I have it, I have it installed and I still use Samba like a maniac. <laughs> uh how come you don't use quick dev because uh because i'm i use samba like a maniac i guess if you have samba already set up then that serves your purpose yeah and i mostly i just use it like i just use like yeah I just, it's it's because it's because that's what the uh, the 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 bookmarks on my uh, file manager are too so that when i back things up to my my nas that's what the bookmarks are too so that's 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 pretty much why 
and that's uh that's like <laughs> what uh cody is already connected to for my my procured uh content burn notice i have uh i have jellyfin on on my server and it runs from a nephily share so i do the same thing uh i i i take legally purchased media and i upload it to my jellyfin server with not quickdav uh nephily which is the like the server underneath quickdav but nephily has another thing called nephily serve that's for like specifically dedicated server applications it's actually illegal to purchase burn notice so i had to uh, it's, pro uh, procure it some other way it's illegal to purchase it i'm just kidding <laughs> okay <laughs> you got me there <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's cool and I, i'm glad it's open source it might be might be neat to see what other people uh do with it hopefully they do send you back the changes even if you don't maybe use their changes you it'd still be interesting to see what people do with it right yeah absolutely uh i personally use it on my steam deck too uh quick dav runs on a steam deck because it has a build for linux it's just an app image you can drop it on a steam deck and run it uh and i use it to to upload my legally obtained video game roms for for uh emulation very good. As long, legally, as long as you're legally obtaining everything, otherwise we would have to um, get a new co-host. We only condone legal obtainment of all media. They would put you in ROM jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, didn't you try to, to get it uploaded to like Steam itself so you could download it directly from Steam or something and they didn't? I, didn't like I did try to do that. Uh, and Steam was like, it's not a game, so we're not interested. Oh. And I'm still wondering, like, okay, the the Steam Deck is a portable gaming device, but is that all they ever want it to be? Like, I would like to watch YouTube videos on my Steam Deck sometimes. You know, oh, I have yeah, like you can a watch phone. That on the uh, the YouTube game. What's that? You can watch it on the YouTube game. <laughs> yeah, you can download. I feel like they're missing out on like releasing apps for the Steam Deck that run yeah. like that are distributed by steam i i honestly don't understand why they haven't yet done that and i do know that like they're falling back on flat pack apps because yeah. you can go into desktop mode and install a flat pack app and then add it to your steam library but that's such a pain in the ass that no one's going to do that like yeah. no one but like me maybe <laughs> you know maybe as more and more me people, me and Gardner Bryant were the only ones that do that. <laughs> maybe as more and more people get it, they might start asking the same question: like, "Well, what if I want to watch a YouTube video on here?" And maybe, maybe you know, maybe in a year or something like that, you be able to hit them up again because they'll have a, maybe a section for utilities, like for the Steam Deck, yeah. or whatever. Well, at this point, you know, I, unless they would let me put it on there for free, I'm not really interested in putting it on anymore because, like, I'm not trying to make money on it. It's free and. Uh, it turns out when you release something for Windows, if you don't want it to have that little notice that says like, hey, we protected your computer by not letting you run this thing you want to run. Uh, if you want to get rid of that, it costs minimum $130. And then it's not guaranteed to not get rid of it. It'll only get rid of that message once enough people install it. If you want to get rid of it for sure, it costs uh, like $400 for an EV code signing certificate. 
So after looking that up, I was like, fuck that. You're like, you're like, people can, people can just run this. They can just click. Um, I am not afraid of this application. Yeah. If, if that really does scare you, then don't use quick dev. That's all I can say. <laughs> I'm not paying $400 to remove that message. Oh, that's a year too. $400 per year. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's, so I got it though. I, or if you want it on, on steam, instead of quick dev, you make it quake dev and has a quake <laughs> interface where you go and like shoot the files that you want to download. <laughs> Just gamify it for no Just reason. Game. <laughs> so gamify it on steam. <laughs> but you know, I bet that would, there's an off chance that it would become very popular too. If you did that for some, <laughs> some, some, you know what I'm saying? Like people would say, okay, this is really neat. Actually. Oh, I can, I, I can like shoot a file to another computer. Like, I think that would be very cool. Actually, <laughs> you made like a first-person shooter version of it. I think people would enjoy that. I know. I'd. I know. I'd be more inclined to use it. <laughs> I think they would. Um, <laughs> I might consider that one day for a fun project. You'd yeah. get a. You'd get a snarky article in the Verge about it for sure. <laughs> yep. All right. What do you got next? All right, my next uh, my next story is so. Speaking of WebDAV, uh, I wanted to talk about Joplin. Uh, what does Joplin have to do with WebDAV? Well, Joplin is an open source note taking app that syncs your notes between all of your devices, and it can sync your notes using a WebDAV share. Uh, it can use all sorts of things, like it has its own like built-in uh, cloud service that has even more features. Uh, but it can sync over like Google Drive and Dropbox um, and WebDAV. So I did test it, and uh, it works with QuickDAV and it works with Nephily. You can sync your notes with uh, both of those. I mean, I guess you know QuickDAV is Nephily, but anyway, uh, their new version, Joplin 2.12, that just came out includes an email to note feature where you can email your Joplin cloud address and that email becomes a note in your account. So look at that. The other thing that I'm obsessed with, email. Uh, Joplin is a really cool app. I've been using Google Keep for a long, long time, uh, ever since Evernote became not good anymore. Uh, and I've been looking for alternatives for, for Google Keep, and I finally found one. Joplin is really cool. What do you guys think? I, I don't really use a note-taking cool. app. Do, Matt, do you use one? Yeah, I just use the, the Keep app on my phone that comes for free for everybody. Not well, very try Joplin. Works. Joplin is really Joplin cool. Joplin as an open source. Joplin actually has a lot of features that Keep does not have. But the thing is, I just I don't need more features. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well. Simple note taking, that's all I you need. You never and, know. And if lists, I to, being able to make a list and check off the list. If I have to remind myself of something, I just say, okay, gee, remind me tomorrow at two to do this certain thing. <laughs> and then it does that for me. Uh, well, I'm, I use my notes for like not really reminders, but more like uh, if I have ideas, I'll jot them down. Ideas about like, you know, if I'm thinking about the design of some piece of software, the architecture of it, sometimes I'll, I'll have an idea and I'll jot that down in a Google Keep note. Uh, and now, you know, I can switch to Joplin, which is 
open source. Google Keep, by the way, not open source. Oh, cool. Well, uh, yeah, there, there are definitely people who love note-taking apps and uh, the, some of the, I bet those are a lot of open source people that like the note-taking apps. I know one of the Linux shows that I uh, listen to, they talk about note-taking apps all the time and they keep changing note-taking apps. So maybe they'll also switch to Joplin because they obviously listen to this podcast. <laughs> uh, one really cool feature that Joplin has is, uh, and I've seen this on other note-taking apps, but generally not the free ones. So I was like uh, really happy to see this. They have a feature where you can clip like part of a website, basically. You can say like make part like make this part of the website into my notes like add that to my notes oh, uh, cool they call it the the clipper the Jop, joplin clipper i think it's on their website very cool very cool uh, well if you need a note taking app check out joplin uh now i guess it's uh my turn i have two stories uh one it turns out that uh the fake ai uh drake song uh, not eligible for a Grammy. Also, um, other AI songs probably not eligible for a Grammy. The person creating uh, this, the music that is that most people have heard that has been created by AI goes by the pseudonym Ghostwriter. Uh, last Tuesday, Ghostwriter put out a song with voc- with fake vocals by Twenty One Savage and Travis Scott. Even though the song itself was written by a human, uh, no permission for the likeness was given, and. I just put HK's face up on my story while I was reading my story. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> I'm sneaking into your stories now. <laughs> but what do you, I, I think that the Grammy people made the right decision here. What, what do you guys think? Gosh, I, I think it's just such a shame that that AI won't be recognized for all the hard work that it did. <laughs> I listened. Is, oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Is it, you know, do they take into account any of like the copyright stuff that's going on around AI or? And the legal stuff there where basically if it's AI generated, you don't get a copyright or is this totally separate? Um, they, the, the getting the rights to the likeness of the artist was one of the, the concerns that okay. the, the person that they uh, spoke to from the Grammy association had brought up, but it was, I don't think it was just that, you know, I think it was also yeah. like maybe just like have human singers win Grammys. Yeah. Yeah, I think even if they did have the likeness, the rights to, uh, you know, permission to use their likeness, I still don't think it should win a Grammy. It'd be pretty cool if there was, if, if a couple of years down the road, once all the copyright stuff gets kind of worked out, that maybe there'd be a category for best song with a, you know, that incorporates, uh, you know, AI or like, I think that'd be pretty neat, you know? Best song by a robot. Yeah. <laughs> so, a uh, slightly different topic, but same same idea. Uh, you know that uh, the Bruce Willis, like he can't act anymore. I, I don't remember exactly what the issues he's having right now, but he can't act. And he had his uh, face scanned and everything, scan and voice scan and everything, so people can make, you know, continue making movies with him with uh, AI, you know, uh, generation. Um assuming of course they have permission from him or, or his family. So what about that? Would that like not be allowed for, uh, to win an Oscar or something like that? I mean, not Correct, that he really yes. generally is in Oscar winning. I mean, but it's a different, would, it's a different associate. It's a different organization, but I, I can't I imagine, I can't imagine that they wouldn't have a, maybe a similar answer. Yeah. 
Yeah, under under my theory of, you know, the right choices to make. Yeah, I would say you can't win best actor if you didn't act in the movie. But it wouldn't stop that and, from maybe getting best picture even if if he was the if his, the fake Bruce Willis was the lead or whatever. It would just the the actor category would probably. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you there. Uh, but it would preclude it from getting the best soundtrack cuz you ever heard Bruce Willis sing? He's pretty good. <laughs> I have actually. I saw a recording of him singing. It was actually pretty good. Anyways, um but it would only be allowed to win uh, best picture if it was not directed by AI or produced by AI. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Imagine the imagine the AI director telling you to do it with more do that but with more feeling. You'd be like, "Shut right. up, AI director." <laughs> I need to really see your humanity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A really robotic voice. <laughs> All right. I got one more story here. Um, probably in news that's fairly unsurprising to most people, your car, if you have a fairly new car, it is a, uh, not really too, uh, the car's not doing too great a job with your, uh, private information that it collects. Um, the Mozilla Foundation did a report on automakers and uh, privacy, and they, they there was a set of 25 automakers, and all of them had uh, pretty awful privacy policies. Uh, 84% of cars, just share your data with third parties. Uh, no automaker met Mozilla's minimum privacy standard, and you might be shocked to find that uh, Tesla was the worst. And uh, they uh, said that a lot of like hookup apps and even apps for sex toys have like much better privacy policies than um your car either you surprised no nope. uh, I'm, um, I'm not surprised and i have a tesla so i was very disappointed to hear that but not surprised and i heard i don't know if it was in the this article i think a article or video i, I saw on it mentioned that like they can even share your sex life if they uh, have access to that information. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, that why would your car, is it watching you while you're boinking? So that was specifically in the, um, <laughs> Hyundai's, I think, uh, uh, yeah. like, like Eula. <laughs> Jesus. Hyundai is horny. Yeah. Why are they <laughs> keeping that information? I don't I, know. I, and I, I, I can't d decide like how it would have, would it, how it would know, like, I mean, okay, people, people, people aren't really hooking up in their cars as much. I don't think because cars are getting smaller. There's less bench seats. People are getting bigger. Um, Hyundai's are Dave, pretty small. As, as a resident, you know, resident grinder expert, is there a grinder app for cars that like no. you just put it in and it take, does the GPS for you? No, but I mean, maybe it's because uh, you know your car does hook up via and or, or you know you hook up via Android Auto. Maybe your maybe your Hyundai, yeah, maybe your Hyundai's be be spying on your grinder. Yeah. Uh, now I'm a little surprised. <laughs> <laughs> uh, still thoroughly disappointed. Uh, I drive a truck from 2007 that's not smart at all, and I'm kind of happy about that <laughs> because it's it's not it's it's not horny like a new Hyundai is. <laughs> uh, it might be, but I would never know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
it's but i mean it's because people don't really think about that when they when they you know go buy a car so it's not surprising that these automakers would be tending to take advantage of the fact that people don't think about that but you know people people have moments in their car like some people like unfortunately at work have to go out to their car to cry like do you want your car like selling that information to like I don't know Uber Eats. So Uber Eats is like, hey, you seem upset. Buy, buy a buy a piece of cake or whatever. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, like that's the world we're headed to. Or you know, people people argue with their spouse in their car. People have you know maybe uncomfortable conversations or just intimate conversations with their kids in the car, like on the way to school. And well, the issue that I I see that's like a big issue is. You know, your car has a GPS. It's going to track everywhere you go. It's going to know where you go. And from there, you can find out all sorts of stuff. Like, tell where you live. Well, that's probably going to be obvious. But uh, it will, within time, be able to pretty accurately figure out where you go to work and, you know, what restaurants you like to go to best. And, you know, who knows what else. But, I mean, you've already got your phone in your pocket all the time. It's already doing that. But it's just a, it's, but that doesn't mean that it's, good for another device to be collecting the same information because right. yeah. now that's that's uh like a like a it's like a um it's like a two-factor it's like two two-factor spying yeah i think the the point with their article though is that your phone has a better privacy policy than your car yes. and people don't really think about like your car might know as much about you as your phone does and their privacy policy just lets them sell that to anyone right yeah you're like I, I mean, they used hookup apps, but it turns out that like hookup and dating apps have pretty good privacy policies compared to some other apps. Yeah. And the sex toy apps, I don't know why they chose those for the um, comparisons because those, you, <clears throat> those are like those things are intimate. They're associated with sex, so people might be more inclined to be concerned about the privacy of something like Grinder or Tinder or. I don't know what other, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the straights use. Um, the remote butt plug app. Yeah. Love sense. I know what that thing is. Um, <laughs> but I bet the, but I bet the, I bet those things, they probably have, they certainly have much better privacy policies than your car or many other things, right? Because those are things where people might be interested in, well, what, what is this thing doing? What does this, who, who are they telling about my, you know, my habits on grinder, you know, who are they telling that I have the, the love sense app? People might be more concerned with that and then not think about it for their car. But so I thought it was weird that they chose those as comparisons because I haven't looked, but I I would bet that those apps probably have uh, better privacy policies than like Facebook because of the, the nature of the app and people's maybe paranoia around, you know, maybe something like Grindr where someone's family or somebody's closeted for whatever reason. They might be more interested in the privacy policy or the Love Sense app because maybe you don't want everybody to know what you're buying. Yeah, I would well, hope that they they have very good privacy policies, but you know that's probably why Mozilla chose those things. <clears throat> I think they might have just chosen uh, them for the shock factor. You know what I'm saying for the article to like pop. But yeah. Because they're saying no one even met their minimum privacy standard. Right. That's horrible. Yeah. Not even saying like, oh, no one went above and beyond it. No one met their minimum. 
I think it's just because people don't think of their car as a connected device, even though a new car is other probably you might be able to buy a new car that isn't a connected device, but that it's probably like the least, like very inexpensive cars. Right. And there's probably even fewer and fewer of those because as on a, you know, on a very inexpensive car, they might be even more inclined to want to collect data about you because they're not making a whole lot of money on the initial sale of the car. So yeah, this not great. Also not surprising that Tesla was the worst, but it was very, very interesting again to find out that Hyundai is horny. <laughs> well, I think this will last until, you know, uh, somebody's, you know, some senator's Tesla tracks them going to visit their mistress or something. Um, and, and the <laughs> auto and the auto industry is pretty heavily regulated. So I think maybe yeah. regulators are probably already looking into this. There's probably going to be some, yeah. probably regulation coming down the, coming down the pike on this. Even before the article so. came out, I bet that there was, you know, the, some of the, I forget what the some of the regulatory bodies might be, but they were probably looking into this and thinking about it. So it might have just been, might just be one of those things where it's like with the auto industry is like, well, let's make hay while the sun shines. Yeah. But that's bad. Anyway, HK, you've been um, absent for a couple of weeks. I guess what you get to do. All right. So this has been our weekly tech show. How the tech are you? Thank you for, for joining us. And if you really like the video, don't forget to like and subscribe. Do all the YouTube things. Uh, and if you want to check out our other shows, you can check out echoplexmedia.com. And if you want to support us, you can do that on patreon.com slash echoplex. And you can also support our store, eplex.store. Have a great tech and week.